0: This has been hitting the news cycles recently, Reed. uh, The most popular Christmas treat in every state.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. So before we list out the ones where the states we live in, what is your most favorite treat for the holiday? I like anything peppermint related. Uh, You know, peppermint milkshakes are good. This article actually shares the top treats per state. In the state of Minnesota, the top treat is a peppermint kiss cookie. My wife makes some of those. It's
1: almost like brownie, but it like surrounds a peppermint kiss
0: to make a cookie. Anyway. The state of Texas, it's peppermint chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Well, there you go. The state of Tennessee, pudding. Pudding? How's that even on
1: the list? First off, that's not even holiday specific. And second, that's just, that's a lazy answer. That's just a lazy choice. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physicians' practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to episode 202. I feel like that's something. 202. It's the same forwards
0: and backwards, isn't it?
1: Well, there you go. We won't have that again until 303, I guess. That's right. This is the first time since 101,
0: I guess. Anyway, I don't know. (laughs)
1: This makes zero difference to anybody, I'm sure. But anyway, welcome to episode 202 of Touchpoint. I'm
0: Reed Smith. Uh, As you just heard, that is the voice of Chris Boyer. Hello, enjoying my holiday cooking. I, I made co- holiday cookies this last weekend. Awesome. Yeah,
1: we we have some around the house as well, having to ride the Peloton a fair amount just to uh, <laughs> stay even uh, through the holidays. Side note, any listener on a Peloton, hit me up so I can follow you. Welcome to Touchpoint. Welcome to another episode. We're nearing the end of the year. A couple of plugs uh, relative to that. First and foremost, the website touchpoint.health. Go there and learn more about this episode that you're listening to, i.e. the show notes are there. Uh, You can find other episodes that we've recorded. As aforementioned, we're on 202, so you can find all 201 previous episodes there, along with uh, another, gosh, 15 plus shows now that are on the network hosted by different folks around different topics. So go kind of nose around, find something you think is interesting, dig in, rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of fun stuff. All right, we're at the end of the year. I need a favor. We do a little survey at the end of every year because we do a fun awards show at the end of the year. And promise this will not take you long. I want to think this is like five questions, and they're like multiple choice. This is not terribly hard nor difficult to do. But have an easy bit.ly link where you can weigh in on this year's 2020 Touchpoint Awards. Uh, This is Touchpoint, the show, specific to Chris and I. And, of course, we'll tweet and, and post this on LinkedIn and all that kind of fun stuff. But if you're listening and you want to go find it, it's a bit.ly link. This is all lowercase. So TP20 awards, Touchpoint 20 awards, so TP20 awards tp20 awards all lowercase again it's like five questions it won't take you two minutes to do it we'd love the feedback and makes kind of a fun show and plus who knows we may use some of your feedback there's a kind of an open-ended question there's some feedback that we could uh, use of yours on the show you never know go do that we would certainly appreciate it matter of fact we'll take a pause right here you can go do that and uh, we'll be right back with today's episode
0: a reputation that performs for you.
1: All right. So, if you listened to last episode two hundred and one, we talked about medical education. If I remember right, kind of online CME and you know some of those types of things. And so, sticking with the physician theme and
0: topic. We've been seeing a lot about the Fauci effect in the news. I'm sure everybody has. Yeah, the Fauci effect. First of all, love Dr. Anthony Fauci. I think he's great. He's been a good voice of reason throughout this pandemic. And this year he's become quite a celebrity, hasn't he? (laughs)
1: Yes, probably more so than he ever wanted to be, certainly. But we do. You see a fair amount around the Fauci effect, and, and we're going to go in today and kind of talk about you know what that is, what that means for physicians, physician recruitment, people moving into the space, thinking about being doctors, what that means for us as marketers, all that kind of fun stuff. But maybe let's start with actually what is the Fauci effect?
0: It actually originated from NPR, they reported on this, where they said that applications to medical schools have surged nationwide during the coronavirus pandemic in a trend that some admission officers are starting to call the Fauci effect. The Association of
1: American Medical Colleges, say it's up 18%. For example, Stanford University School of Medicine saw 11,000 applicants for just 90 seats in the latest round of admissions, making it a 55% increase year over year, according to NPR's article. Boston University saw a 27% increase. So that got them up to 12,024 applications
0: for 110 seats. That is crazy. The AAMC in their report about this They indicated that there is a growing physician shortage, and we've heard that, read even before the pandemic in the U.S., Mm. that we're on track to be short about, they they estimate anywhere between 50,000 to 140,000 physicians by 2033. This is the AAMC that reports that. Let's kind of drill into this whole Fauci effect specifically, because there's some additional numbers that kind of maybe paint a little bit of a different picture here.
1: And they do say that you know the kind of the big picture of the theory here is. I mean, he, he's the guy in charge, right? This on TV, the most, I guess, which is why it's getting kind of labeled to him. But the the big concept or the the premise here is potentially that you know we're seeing people flock to the medical profession, much like we've seen activity, I guess, after other crisis in history, right? So, like after they say, like after nine eleven, we saw military enlistments go up, right? So. COVID-19 driving that, kind of mirroring that, that uh, kind of call to arms, if you will. And that's why we're seeing Americans flock to medical
0: professions. And Fauci himself has actually a very different take on this, which is very typical of him because he seems to be very even keeled. This is his quote. He says, probably a more realistic assessment is that rather than the Fauci effect, it's the effect of a physician who is trying to and hopefully succeeding in having an important impact on an individual's health as well as on global health. And I like that take, right? It's like, we see this pandemic hitting our whole world. And so many more people that have been, you know, inspired to enter into the healthcare field are taking that action because of this. He goes on to say, so if this works to get more young individuals into medical school, he endorses it. He says, go ahead use my name, be my guest. (laughs) Because ultimately that's the end goal, right? He would like to see more people in the healthcare space.
1: And so we're seeing this from NPR, right? And so, of course, we, we asked uh, our fellow podcast host, Dr. Brian Vardabedian. He has to show on the network called uh, The Exam Room. Obviously, he is very active on Twitter. Uh, Dr. underscore V. That's spelled out Dr underscore V. He also has 33charts.com, which is where he writes and comments a lot on things that are going on kind of at the intersection of medicine and technology and all that kind of fun stuff. And he has a, he has a weekly newsletter that comes out as well. A quote actually from his newsletter this this last time around says, NPR and its race to the bottom for traffic <laughs> suggests this week that the recently reported rise of medical school applicants by the AAMC is a result of the Fauci effect. He goes on to say that he loves the guy, but there's no evidence to suggest that the rise of medical school applications is because of Fauci. He says, here's an idea. Maybe the effect should be labeled with names of selfless doctors who serve on the front lines. Also goes on to say that comments on Twitter around this topic from active medical school applicants suggest the bump. In applications, maybe due to the lack of expenses from interview travel, as well as a deferment of the MCAT exam, The MCAT being the uh, exam that you take to actually get accepted into medical school, Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. like the LSAT for law school, that kind of thing. So anyway, Dr. V, uh, great thoughts. Uh, 33charts.com also has a newsletter there that you
0: can sign up for. But interesting thoughts there. The reason why we're talking about the Fauci effect and the number of people entering into medical school is that it does have an impact actually in healthcare and the health systems that we work with. Really, where that comes to bear is the whole concept of physician recruiting. And so for the remainder of the episode, we want to talk about physician recruiting and why that's important and how that's changed during the pandemic. We found an article that we're going to dive into that's called Effectively Recruiting and Retaining Physicians, a Strategic Approach for 2020. And this came from physicianleaders.org. Interesting to note, this is based on a study that was done prior to the pandemic. But I think some of the things that they're finding are actually relevant even today.
1: Absolutely. So they talk about a 2019 survey. Uh, 2019 seems so long ago. 2019 survey from the uh, Medicus firm that found that over 20% of doctors plan to make a career change within 12 months. That data confirms, uh, they say about 11% are definitely leaving, 14% are likely
0: switching jobs. I'd be interested to see if that survey was taken again, where those numbers may have shifted, because we're hearing a lot about either a higher commitment to their profession or there's a vaster impact of physician burnout. But interestingly enough, they say as many as 70% of physicians across all specialties change jobs when they're in their first two years according to today's hospitalists. And while half of physicians do stay in the area they trained, many are tempted for new opportunities that move them away from where they actually were trained. Even out of the profession.
1: We at Girard have done uh, some surveys of some of our clients, and I'm not going to say specifically on which client, you know, but I can think of one in particular, I, sh- I guess I should say, that we asked this very question. We surveyed their actual uh, physician population, and if you look at that number, the overall demographics of this, just so you've got a sense, is, you know, these were 556 physicians in one system, kind of in one market. And we asked them that. And, and these were people that they weren't new to the profession. Most of them have actually been practicing over 10 years. Um, so these were not folks that got in and decided you know what? I, I don't know that this is for me. <laughs> you know, kind of a deal. Th- these are people that, quite honestly, have been have been doing this for uh, for quite some time. And when asked prior to COVID, were you exploring other options for your future? Most were saying no, no, that they, they really were not. And what's interesting about that, I think, is I mean, certainly there's always some people that are. You know, this is pre-COVID, but the the vast majority. So, 407 out of the 560 or so had not considered other options. And then you sprinkle in a few like, hey, I'm thinking about going back to private practice or maybe going to another health system or, or that kind of thing. But only 27 out of that 560 or so had considered getting out of medicine altogether. Now, if you look at post-COVID, that number, that, that 27 number went to 66, 47% increase on those that decided, you know what, I might want to get out of medicine and had considered other options, you know, went up. I, you know, Everybody's rethinking, I guess, like where they are, right? And what it means to
0: them. What would be really interesting, you know, when we think about physician recruiting and the impact that that has on health systems, it still bears an importance for the future state of where our industry is going. And I know you and I have often been brought in to support, from a digital perspective, help with physician recruiting. After the break, why don't we come back and talk a little bit about how physician recruitment has taken a hit during the pandemic and some of the trends that are playing into the future state of where our industry is going in this particular. So we'll do that right after this break. Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. So, before the break, we were talking about the Fauci effect, and then Reid, you shared some really interesting insights and research that you've done around physicians and the physician recruiting space. But, you know, this year in particular has taken a heavy toll on the whole activity around physician recruitment.
1: I think so. And, again, the idea – like we were already short, right? Like I was talking about before, we've got physicians now that are considering getting out of medicine. So, you know, you can only imagine – you know, you're the math major, but that
0: seems like we're going in the wrong direction. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And another article that we found from revenuecycleintelligence.com, we like that website. We've mentioned them before a couple of times. They published an article this week called the new physician compensation recruitment, taking a hit during the pandemic. And we wanted to cover some of the, the points that they bring up in this article, because they start off by saying the physician market has become even more competitive as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, which can lead to new physician compensation reductions and incentives, at least in a temporary state. That doesn't bode well.
1: No, not really. And they dig into some stuff uh, from uh, a physician search firm, Merit Hawkins, They've been around forever and and have done this. uh, I mean, that's what they do. That's all they do, recruit docs, right? They've got the 2020 Review of Physician and Advanced Practitioner Recruiting Initiatives uh, attract a sample of 3,251 permanent physicians and advanced practitioners uh, recruiting engagements uh, that the firm did really from kind of mid-2019 through mid-2020, about a year, well, exactly a year, uh, but kind of overlapped and really got into you know portions of the pandemic. They say that uh, new recruiting engagements for physicians declined by 30% av- after April 1st, despite an increase in physician search
0: engagements over the 12-month period ending March 31st. Interesting. And these physician recruiting engagements especially increase for medical specialists during the same period. And they reported that 78% of the engagements were for specialists, up from 67% over the last five years. So it's an interesting take, right, that recruitment is now focusing on the specialty population.
1: It says that family physicians top the list of most requested recruiting engagement. That's I would never, never would have guessed that. That's not what I thought would, you know, I assumed it was all specialists and subspecialists at the top of the list.
0: I would assume that too. And we hear a lot about physician burnout happening primarily with the family physicians as well, because that is uh, an industry that even now, even through the the heart of the pandemic, they are still keeping very busy because quite frankly, that's a feeder into the healthcare system. And so many family medicine doctors and internal specialists, et cetera, they are keeping very active and now they have to embrace things like telemedicine and telehealth. And so they're, career life seems to be the one that's m- most rife for disruption.
1: I think so. They talk about the fact that, according to last year's report at least, more than 16 million people worked in healthcare. Uh, by the end of 2018, the industry created one in seven new jobs in that year. As a result of the 2020 Coronavirus pandemic, the market for physicians has flipped, they say, from a buyer's market in which physicians had multiple practice opportunities to choose from, to that, you know, all that kind of stuff. They can kind of name their price and go where they want, to a seller's market in which physicians um, may have to compete for job openings. And that this really took place in the matter of
0: about 60 days. Wow. I understand the whole concept of a buyer and seller's market when it comes to real estate, but when you think about like career advancements, particularly in an industry where this traditionally hasn't had that trending, that becomes pretty significant. And you know, as I mentioned before, telehealth utilization and possible changes in reimbursement rates may also impact the the new physician compensation packages as organizations pivot to more of this virtual care. And we've talked about that extensively here, but the report says that the move to telehealth will likely change how physician productivity and quality are measured, which was factored into new physician compensation arrangements in about 64% of contracts prior to the pandemic.
1: It's interesting. And and again, going back to, you know, they mentioned this, this, um, you know, th- that you mentioned earlier, this number of, you know, we're going to feel the growing pressure of the physician shortage, you know, the AAMC's projection of uh, a shortage of 54 to 139,000 physicians by 2033 kind of runs counter to some of that. So we're projecting a shortfall, but yet, is that just because we don't know the, the output of this coronavirus, like really what this means for the, the job market just yet?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little counterintuitive to me too, right, that we're feeling this physician shortage, yet there is also this highly competitive nature around the physician positions available. I would say just like just about everything else that's related to this pandemic, we're in unprecedented times, aren't we? Yeah, ready to get back to the precedent at times. <laughs> the article concludes by saying, for this reason alone, it's important that hospitals, medical groups, and other healthcare organizations focus on their physician engagement and retention strategies to maintain their staffs when patient demand for services resumes.
1: Well, I and mean, that's exactly right. That's why it's important, you know, I, I mentioned some of the surveying we've done with some of our clients. It's important to do that, right? Because in, in asking, you know, uh, are they feeling supported uh, you know, and trying to get a sense and a trend of what's working, what's not working relative to primary care versus specialty care versus, you know, geography based decisions and things like that. You may find that certain institutes or certain practices or certain groups in certain parts of town or the state or what, you know, whatever feel disconnected or certain types of physicians and things like that. And it allows you to try to get in front of some of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So before we actually go to our interview, which is a, it's a good one, it talks about how physician recruiting, the actual activity of physician recruiting has changed during the pandemic. Let's end with some trends and predictions for where we see, maybe as we pivot out of the pandemic, which we still have a ways to go, we know that. But, you know, now that we have vaccines, and they're, they're being administered, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Let's hit on some of those trends read before, um, before we go to the interview.
1: This actual article is from Recruitix.com, which uh, I assume is a recruiting and it is a recruitment marketing blog specifically. The title of the article, Healthcare Recruiting Trends and Predictions, the Impact of a uh, Pandemic. And this was from... Uh, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, uh, almost at the beginning of the pandemic, which at the time this is April 6th, uh, 2020, on April 6th, when this was written, it probably felt like the pandemic had been going on for quite some time because <laughs> it had been right. about a month or not quite a month. And so it was like, who man, we're three weeks into this thing, you know, and here we still are. But anyway... Uh, so some of the things that they pointed out prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, that there are some trends that we're seeing from 2019, which is, number one, industry growth. So from 2016, to, they say 2026, so that 10-year span employment opportunities in the healthcare industry are expected to grow by 18%. And so this is from the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics
0: Yeah, and that one, again, because of the pandemic and the impact, it may have been a blip where we might have had a downwards turn, but they really predict that, you know, if you look at all the trends overall, we'll continue to grow in that space. The other part of this is that culture fit, and you mentioned this, it's very important. Nearly 69% of healthcare leaders said that the most sought after quality for job candidates is a cultural fit. And this quality beat out previous experience and technical competency. And this is according to an MGMA study. Now, I think that's really important. And we get into that in the interview coming up about how do you start to share the culture of your organization in these times where we're very much remote uh, in terms of physician recruiting? You can't bring doctors onto your campuses right now. That's just not something that's being done. So
1: yeah they also pull a quote from a uh, fortune uh, article from from May 2019 so again this is going to run a little bit counter to some of the stuff that we just talked about but they it says fortune says that newly graduated doctors are getting more job offers getting paid more price wherever they want all that kind of fun stuff and I think that still is probably the case at least largely. Uh, Depending on the market and some of that stuff, certainly. But you know, they're also choosing, and I think this is the interesting part of this: that physicians that are coming out of school are choosing salaried positions. And we're seeing people, and I've had somebody tell me this, and may have even been somebody from Merritt Hawkins. I'm trying to remember, but we're almost having to recruit two physicians to replace everyone that retires because nobody wants to take call. Nobody wants to work as many hours. You know, they want the salaried position at the hospital, big group practice, that kind of thing. So, I think people's mindsets around quality of life have changed relative to maybe some of their predecessors.
0: And I think that's interesting too, because you know we've seen if we look over the last thirty years of this industry, there are shifts where more and more practitioners go out on their own, create their own practices, and now we're in a in a world where not only are our health systems starting to merge. And, and grow larger. But doctors and physicians are starting to be attracted to positions within these larger health systems, I think, for security. One of the other things here for, that they point out is there is a nursing talent gap. Job seekers' interest in nursing roles meets about one-third of employer demand at this point in time. So I think that's that's an interesting um paradigm here, right? That while we're talking about physicians, the nursing community too is going through some unprecedented changes. Again, be interested to see this study being refreshed uh, post-pandemic or, you know, in, at the end of 2020, because this came from a, a 2019 survey.
1: Yeah, and I think another one, and we've talked about this on some other episodes when we talked about reputation management and those types of things, but they pull, pull a, a stat here from Indeed, which, again, this is from 2019, but I think it probably holds true. 97% of healthcare job seekers research the company during that application process. And so, you, know, you think about Indeed and Glassdoor and people being able to write reviews about their employer um, and so that employer brand, you know, really does matter. And, and that's a whole nother episode, quite honestly, that we could get into. But something to really kind of consider and think about. It's not just about consumers on Facebook or consumers on Google or Yelp or whatever.
0: Indeed, in Glassdoor are places we really need to start spending time and thinking. All of this is kind of culminating into an interesting time that we're in. We're in the midst, and some people say the darkest part of our pandemic right now, right? The next couple of months here in, in in the winter can be very grim, so to speak, for our industry. And yet there's all these constraints, there's financial constraints, there's all of these factors playing into the whole physician recruitment world. And as a physician recruiter, many of them have to now address their profession in a virtual way, in an online way, which makes for an interesting world, right, uh, for the, the physician recruiter. No wonder many of us digital marketers and people like you and me, read. we're now starting to become a part of the conversation about how we can optimize and improve our outreach efforts to physicians.
1: We're going to have a, a real opportunity, I think, uh, folks that do it well to attract and retain talent. And so, you know, specifically around the re- uh, attracting piece, uh, there are things like the, the rep- online reputation and the cultural fits and things like that that we just talked about. And so how do you, you know, how do you leverage that into online opportunities and in, in attracting folks? And I think that's what uh,
0: we're lucky enough to uh, have an interview on today. That's right. Tammy Hagar from MMS. Uh, She and I had a chance to sit down uh, recently, and we talked about physician recruiting during the pandemic. It's a really fascinating uh, interview, and she shares some of her firsthand experience working with organizations on physician recruiting and outreach efforts. So after the break, let's give that a listen, and then we'll be back to close up the show. Welcome back to the Ask the Expert segment of the podcast, and today I'm excited to be talking with Tammy Hager, someone I just recently got to know over the phone, but uh, in our brief conversations, I thought it was very important to uh, capture our conversation through the podcast. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome.
2: Thank you. It's going to be fun to be here with you, Chris.
0: I'm excited for the conversation ahead. But before we jump into that, some people listening in may not know who you are and a little bit of your background. Would you mind sharing that with uh, with our audience so they know a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure, I'd love to. Um, I'm one of those folks who's been in the game for a long time. I've actually been in healthcare for more than 20 years. I started out managing physician practices for healthcare systems. Then I actually moved into starting and developing physician recruitment departments, which became my passion and understanding what you need to do to really attract physicians to become a part of your organization and how physicians search for jobs. Along with that, really working for a couple of uh, really good vendors and job boards and data companies, that's helped me round out a different type of background than most people who work in medical marketing and who work in the recruitment field. Right now, I'm actually the executive director at MMS. Uh, which is Medical Marketing Services, and get to live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, It's just an awesome place to be. Um, But what I bring to, I think, to the table here is my relationships with uh, healthcare systems and recruiters all across the country. And what I'm loving doing here in this position is really teaching them how to do recruitment marketing for physicians, providers, to attract them to come and work for them in their organizations.
0: This topic is so important to uh, our industry. It's always been important, but I would even say that this year, due to the pandemic, it's become increasingly different, maybe is the right word. I was going to say difficult, but maybe that's also fair to say, because traditionally, recruitment efforts have been very much in-person, very much a, a high-touch uh, activity. Is that right?
2: It is. It's very high-touch, and you're right. It is different now. Um but I think there's some opportunities in the differences, too.
0: Well, let's talk about that, right? So, you know, share with us, because you've, you've been in this space working with organizations on physician recruitment. Uh, maybe share with us how you've seen it change over the last year.
2: Sure. So um, I just actually recently came to work here at Medical Marketing uh, Systems here at MMS. I left a healthcare care system um, during the COVID situation. And I had been back on the healthcare side for almost three years. And we, I mean, we made a lot of progress in just really getting our department organized and putting the right tools in place. And we were, we were progressing very nicely in recruiting the numbers that we needed to recruit, but recruiting the right folks. And then COVID hit. And it's hard because a lot of organizations were not, we were just not prepared for it. So as we saw patient volumes going down, it really caused a lot of the organizations to slow down physician recruitment. And with the demand for services not being there, um, I think with them and that slowing down, they thought, well, we've got to just put everything on hold, not realizing that that's not how you can really do with physician recruitment because it can take, depending on the specialty, you know, one to two years to fill a really hard-to-fill position, especially in the rural areas. But looking at, um, at recruitment is more of a long-term strategy. Organizations can be more poised to recover the demand if they're looking at different ways to do recruitment and to recover the revenue that supports their long-term goals.
0: When you think about physician recruitment, this is not just, you know, you, you, it isn't a thing that you do just to, you know, throttle up when demand is high and throttle down when demand is low, so to speak. There, This is a, a strategic opportunity for health systems to grow their organizations. But I would imagine, though, with all the, you know, ups and downs of COVID of this year, that organizations are, you know, they very much typically lean into the, well, let's slow that down for now because demand is not theirs. So
2: some of the some of the systems, and every one of them is different, depending on if they're not for profit, if they are for profit, if they're regional, if they're a larger national healthcare system. Each of them seem to be approaching it in, in different ways. And what I love about my role in working with their recruitment and their marketing teams is really sitting down and having discussions on what are their long term strategies. So some of the things that I, I really stress, and I think it, it really is helping these folks look at how do we actually go about recruitment for them? Looking at ways to develop their strategies so that it's not just filling a position, it is more strategic in what they're trying to fill. So some things you can think about with demand being down, looking at the service lines that can generate the most revenue to be able to help them really come back um, positively financially is one of the opportunities that they could focus on and understanding what type of physicians and providers they need in those areas. And being able to do that and putting together a true plan, a manpower plan around that, um, it really could focus on the specialties that they need, but then on the reverse side, what type of referrals are they going to need from the primary care physicians? So you still got to go back to being able to have primary care physicians to drive the referrals.
0: But there are challenges, right, with the current state of the industry. Let's address those because we would be remiss not to bring those up at You're this right. point in time because that's impacting it.
2: It's interesting because on the physician side, which is really you know what we are bringing to the table with some of the some of the ways we work with the recruiters a lot of physicians have taken an opportunity to take a step back and reassess their current situation. So some of them may have been thinking about making a change for a long time, but with COVID, it has kind of sped up what they're looking at. There's a good number of physicians and the number that I've heard recently, 15 to 20,000 different specialties that are at the table now looking for open positions that weren't really there before. And some of those believe it or not, physicians have been furloughed in this situation, or they've actually taken pay cuts because the organizations have been trying to figure out how to survive. So not only do you cut back on, you know, your, your nurses, your, your uh, regular employees pay and cut back on, you know, what you contribute to the 401ks and all of that. Some of the physicians have taken, and I've heard, you know, 20% is a lot of the, the numbers that I've heard. And that's a lot for physicians. Newer ones coming out, you think about their student loan debt and what they're having to pay back with that. And then they're also taking a pay cut. Uh, But then physicians who have been in these organizations for a number of years, it's tough because now it's affecting some of the ways they're going to retire. And then with that, on top of it, with COVID and with how they're having to take care of the patients in the ICUs, in the ERs, um, all of that, you've got the physician burnout. That is another result. It was already something that was, you know, at the top of mind for organizations and for physicians. But this, I think, has really brought this, you know, really in a new light as a result of the the pandemic. So some of these folks are looking at, do they move closer to where they grew up? Do they move closer to home? What type of change do they want to make? And it may not be in the big cities anymore. It may drive some of that to the smaller areas where these folks grew up
0: yeah, I could see all of that. And what you're painting, Tammy, is it seems like a little bit of a bleak picture when you're engaged at a health system around physician recruitment because the world has changed. There's a lot of pressures. Physicians are taking pay cuts,'re making decisions on you know, quality of life issues, et cetera. And when we look at the physician recruitment efforts at hospitals and health systems, let's talk through a couple of the changes that you're seeing around how they're embracing this new world that we're looking at
2: you know I think there's a lot of opportunity um, because um, even before I left the health system um, before I came to to MMS we made a lot of changes and I think I was blessed in the fact that I have worked with remote staff for years so when recruiters are actually starting to work from home and trying to figure out how to work we were in an advantage because, I was already used to remote teams. So but a lot of folks, it was a huge change for them. So working from home was a little different. So they've had to adapt um, to different ways to work. So communication is a little different. They, um, they need to figure out how that how they work, not only as a team, but also with their leaders, and then with the physicians that they're interviewing. So They've got to do different things um, as far as being able to use video to be able to do Zoom meetings so that they can see each other and feel that connection. Some of them are actually working harder now to keep up the camaraderie between them and the people that they work with, as well as the physicians that they're talking with.
0: It is so challenging when you're trying to establish a relationship with someone that you're, you know, just, just even working with, let alone trying to recruit to an organization. Because, you know, oftentimes in the past, traditionally, recruitment, it was very much an immersive face-to-face experience. Often you'd have the physicians come and tour the facilities and kind of see what the life, work-life balance is, that sort of thing. Now everybody has to do it through, like, Zoom calls. That That just seems like a a complete change to 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 what they have to do.
2: It is um, you know a lot of times pre-covid it was more about the phone conversation and then bringing everyone in person. I think what we found is in to do the initial conversations over the phone and Zoom now you could really define if that physician is a better fit now because there's a lot of conversations you have that are on camera that you really wouldn't have probably had before. And you the interaction is a little different. So when you're, quote, qualifying to make sure that the, the candidate is a right fit, a lot of times you realize it on that first conversation, and that's not someone that you would want to pass along to the leaders, um, because you already know up front, it's a waste of time. This physician may not be a good fit. He may not really want to be here. So you're not just passing candidates to be passing them. You're really looking uh, at more targeted ways to talk with the physicians,
0: you know, and I'm wondering, Tammy, as we're as we're talking through this, I also realize that telehealth and telemedicine is definitely a part of care delivery now. I mean, more so than before. I'm wondering if that also gives you a sort of a sense of how that physician may work in in sort of a, a virtual setting, so to speak. Is do you see that as well?
2: I do see that, and. Funny thing, years ago when I worked for an organization where we interviewed physicians to get them into our database to search for jobs, that was a, a subject that we talked about then. But it's even greater now. So we even here at MMS we have telehealth companies that we work with that are looking for physicians, and it is so different now because psychiatry, um, you know, all of the all of the crazy specialties can do things telehealth and even primary care for initial visits for patients during covid have been done through through telehealth you know technologies which before it would have been the the you know the older patient having to find a time to schedule to go in and schedules are tight so they couldn't get an appointment for 3 weeks now with the telehealth piece being up front it's really it's been great for the patients because there are things that they might have tried to schedule to go in for if they do telehealth over the phone, a they they realize up front that whatever they're talking about is not as serious as they thought it might have been, and b the evaluation they get then gets them really to the right area where they need to be seen. So if they don't need to be seen in the primary care office, but they need to go to the cardiologist, that evaluation ha- happens much quicker than it did in the old days when you had to wait for your appointment, get a referral. So I think there are advantages for not just the physicians, because you can work from anywhere, but also for the patients that that they take care of. And let's face it, even though we know businesses are there to make money, they're also there to take care of the patients and to take care of the communities that they're in. In those ways, it helps really help those organizations build their patient bases to help be supportive and helping them grow again to where they need to be financially.
0: I took us on a little sidetrack there. Let's come back to some of the, the other challenges that we see physician recruitment teams are facing.
2: I do think they do have some, some balance issues between work and life uh, right now because you know, with the way schools are, if you have young children, some of these folks are working from home. And by the way, some of them don't have an extra bedroom to put an office in. Some of them are actually working at their kitchen table. Um, Some of them are working in their bedrooms at a desk, a makeshift desk that they've put in place. So, you know, thinking about, you know, where people are working now, they're not in an office They're It's 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 just different. And then the kids, I mean, they're not going to school. They are going to school. The parents are having to become tutors. I can't imagine, you know, with the math nowadays, it's different than the math. It was when I grew up. So, you know, I feel sorry for these folks because it's a crash course. And how do I homeschool my children? Um, the work demands are different. And I also think that they're up earlier. They're actually staying up later to make sure that they're meeting the demands of the work that they're doing. I just think there's a lot more difficulty in, in the way they're having to do their job. So being able to plan out their days and understand how they set up the way they work. And I always tell my team, even here, you got to plan your work and work your plan every day. Because if you can do that, And really try and be more structured in the way you get things done. It helps not only you, but it helps the physicians that you're working with to try and bring them in. And then it helps your organizations and your leaders to really understand what you're doing and how you're contributing to the work that's being done in the organization.
0: The other thing I think about, too, right, you, you talked about this impact of the physician community. so. As they're doing this outreach, what are some things that physician recruitment professionals need to keep in mind? I mean, in terms of like, you know, focusing on on those physicians to ensure that that virtual recruitment relationship is actually very successful.
2: I, I think one of the first things is understanding who they're who they're really trying to talk with. So what is the specialty? And then what is the best way to talk with them? How do you reach out to a particular specialty? Is it by email? Is it by phone? There's a lot of different tools that you can use to reach out. When you finally do connect with that physician, you know, scheduling a time to do a face-to-face Zoom Zoom talk is important because the physicians need that connection as well. And being able to walk them through this is how our organization is doing interviews right now. You know, everything right now is going to be virtual. And then when we get to the point where we need to bring you in, um, then we'll we'll talk through that. But letting them know who the players are in the game, who they will be interviewing with, more details about, you know, who they're going to get to work with, what they're going to get to do in their roles, you know, and then find out what is important to those physicians. It's not just that you're recruiting the physician, but you're recruiting their families. So talking with them about, you know, what are your children interested in? Do you have any special needs? Does your spouse work? Do we need to figure out how to work with her to find a position? So it, it really, it's really not different than what we used to do, but I think understanding and expressing that up front now is even more important than ever.
0: Yeah, that transparency becomes very important, particularly because uh, you know things are so completely different now. It's, it's one thing to be talking, let's say, with the chief medical officer in a meeting on site as opposed to a Zoom call, right? <laughs> you know, with with that person. So,
2: well, and I, and I think the recruiters too, they can re- really become coaches for their organization and really put together a true interview schedule. So that everyone's not asking the same questions. So, if you have an interview team, this person asks this set of questions to understand what the physician what brings to the table and how they'll work. Whereas, you know, this position may be the chief medical officer. What does he need from that physician, and what questions does he ask? So that at the end of the day, when you're you're looking at the best candidates and you've narrowed it down to a couple that you're wanting to make an offer to, understanding who would be the best fit for the organization and even for that physician specifically in the in the area that he's working with and the team that he's going to be working with.
0: Now, you mentioned too that many physicians are in a, in a position where they may have been furloughed or taken pay cuts. Those would, I, I assume, are good targets of your recruitment efforts. Is that true?
2: That is true. And interestingly enough, um, working with several organizations across the country, they'll call and talk with me and say, You know, I've heard in this area that these physicians are looking for jobs or unhappy. How can we go about targeting them? And the different tools people use to do that is important. Being able to understand where they are. Can you put in a search location for physicians so that you can search geographically in a zip code area to target those particular physicians, especially specific specialties? Um, How do you attract them to come to where you want to be? Because if they're truly unhappy where they are, it's all about reaching that right position at the right time.
0: Hey, you know, it reminds me a lot of like what healthcare marketers do in terms of trying to attract the right audiences to their organizations as well.
2: Well, it's very similar. And I think I've always had that mentality. We are We are recruitment marketers is what we are. Mm. And that's what I want to really get across to recruiters across the country is it's not just shooting out an email blast and praying someone's going to to get back with you. It really is being more targeted in your efforts, whether it's email or the other tools that you use, but understanding how a physician thinks, understanding, you know, there are certain days that particular specialties we know really look at their emails and open their emails and the subject lines that you work with to really get them to understand who you are and why they would want to talk with you. So really looking at email behaviors and the behaviors behind the analytical side of the reports that you're using to look at who you're attracting is going to be really important to these these recruiters because it's not the same as it used to be.
0: I love everything you're saying. I'm a big fan of using data to help inform the better ways to communicate and and market right in this in this particular world and and for physician recruiters to sort of embrace some of these digital tools that I've spent my career on honing. I think that that's that's really critical, very important. You know, Tammy, as we look forward, I would imagine you know, we're we're you know, we're already into um, what they're predicting to be a kind of a bleak winter ahead of us, right? Dealing with the pandemic and there's more challenges ahead. But, you know, even as we kind of pass through this pandemic, I would imagine that the world is going to be more of a hybrid model now. And do you see that true impacting the uh, physician recruitment space as well? Will that be more hybrid?
2: I think it will be. And even the organizations that I've talked with and have worked with in my former organization, they really have looked at, you know, do people just continue to work totally from home or is there a hybrid effort in they're in the office some and they work from home some. What they've realized is there is some, um, some cost reduction in that for the organizations not having to have office space for people. And some other things, you know, when we think about the changes, organizations should look at what truly is working now and what's moving the needle. So if they're using virtual interviews, to focus on the initial interviews, it can reduce their costs. The cost per hire is something people need to really look at. And built into that is the travel for the interviews, the dinners for the interviews. When you start looking at that, that can get very expensive for an organization. And, you know, while recruiters and interview teams are still learning the best platforms and approaches in recruitment, many are finding success. And in some cases, the recruiters are being more consultative in their approach with the interview teams. I said it a little earlier, they're, they're better able to guide uh, the interview process so that their leaders and the physicians that they're working with, it makes it a smoother process. And I think it, it will narrow down the number of candidates greatly. Evaluating what's working in their organizations, because it's going to be a little different for each organization and where they're going to be effective, but evaluating the tools that they do recruitment with because if they can more effectively target and market and source physicians with specific retention strategies, it can really reduce their costs and increase hiring the right physicians.
0: You know, if anything, this pandemic has shown us opportunities by force, right? They say sometimes necessity is the mother of invention here, but in this particular case, we've, we've been forced to start to use digital and we're realizing the benefits of um, using those as, as communication, outreach, recruitment efforts. So, so fascinating. Tammy, this has been a great conversation. As people are listening in, they probably want to continue on the dialogue with you. What are some ways that they can learn more about you online and follow you online?
2: Oh, sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, that's my favorite tool, I believe, just to keep in touch with people on a regular basis. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, I'm at t hager 1965 on Twitter. And they can actually go to our website. Um, they can look me up on there. I'm, one, I'm listed as one of the leadership folks on our website at um, MMSList.com. Um, I would love to talk with folks if they have any questions. I've been doing this a long time. So to me, it's not about where I work or what I do. It's about how do we work together and how do we share things across the country that help us to do things better um, as recruiters, as leaders, as organizations, so, that we truly are taking care of the patients in our communities. Because let's face it, in the end, that's really what all of this is about. Whether you're in marketing, whether you're in healthcare, whether you're in whatever field you're in, hooked to healthcare, it's taking care of the patients. And if we do that, I feel like we'll all be successful.
0: I love that perspective. That is so great and inspiring. And Tammy, we'll make sure to link to all of those ways that people can connect with you through our show notes. So encourage people to go into the show notes, reach out to Tammy and continue the dialogue with her, because I I think that this is one that's going to be ever growing and changing and evolving. But it seems to me like uh, with people like you in the space, Tammy, it's going to be very helpful for others that are are facing this. So thank you again for your time today. It's been a great conversation.
2: Oh, thank you for having me, Chris. I've really enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed getting to know you. And I think we'll have some fun in the future together.
1: Uh, Special thanks to Tammy for coming on the show. Certainly appreciate the insights. And as always, we've been very fortunate to have uh, some really great folks on the show, not just in 2020, but uh, over the last now 202 episodes. Although, as we talked about before on the 200th episode, Uh, That doesn't necessarily mean they were on every episode. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and check out episode 200. It was kind of a fun one, a a retrospective look back at those those first 199 episodes. But couldn't do it without you all. Thanks so much for hanging in there with us and uh, continuing to frequent the show each and every week. We've seen our listenership grow over the last uh, three plus years. It's going to be great rolling into uh, 2021.
0: Yeah, and speaking of retrospectives too, Reed, we have a very special end of the year show. you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we do some awards at the end of every
1: year, the Touchpoint Awards. And we ask for our listeners to help us uh, choose some of those winners. And so I've got a, a Bitly link. And again, we'll send this out. We'll have it in the show notes, all that kind of fun stuff. But if you're listening and you can remember this, feel free to jump ahead, if you will. But it's a Bitly link. And it's uh, TP20 Awards, so TP20 Awards, TP20 Awards, and it's like, I don't know, four or five questions, something like that, that will uh, allow you to uh, vote on a few things, give us a little bit of feedback if you if you so choose, and uh, we'll use that in the um, end of year award show, which is always a lot of fun. Before we get to recommendations, did want to give a quick plug. Uh, we've got one more webinar this year. If you happen to be listening to this, this is a tight turn. If you happen to be listening to this on the day that it comes out, which is Wednesday, December the 16th, there is a webinar on Thursday, December the 17th, which will also be on demand, certainly, after the fact, as well as their whole series of webinars, but it's with Binary Fountain. So you can go over to BinaryFountain.com, look under resources, you'll see webinars, and uh, I'm doing one there with them, three key opportunities for healthcare brand management for 2021. But again, they've got a whole series. Be sure to check
0: those out. They've been uh, great partners of ours.
1: Over the years, all right. Let's uh, let's do some recommendations. What do you have today,
0: Reed, I'm going to recommend something that I, was sent to me by my parents for Christmas. I had to open it up because this, when it came to the door, it was huge and heavy. So, what I'm recommending is a marble slab. Marble slab. There you go. Uh, we've we've gone all the way back to just
1: uh, core earth elements at this point.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm recommending
0: is- air. <laughs> no, yeah. let, let me explain a little bit more um, this is actually a marble slab that's used to, for baking purposes so oh. it's a 16 by 20 inch marble slab with it has little rubber feet that you put onto your countertop The reason why I'm recommending this is because obviously people know that I do baking, I bake bread, etc. Also for the holidays, as I mentioned, we made some holiday cookies and things. My mother sent this along to me because she purchased this a couple of years ago and she finds it to be extremely useful because a marble slab helps to keep dough cool and also allows for other things. Like if you do chocolate tempering or other things, it's a perfect work surface to use for when you're doing your baking when I first got it I was like a marble slab what's the purpose of this I actually ended up using it to make bread and cookies this weekend and I'm telling you it's awesome so for any of you bakers that are interested in adding an additional surface now we don't have the luxury of having a marble countertop if you do that's awesome but this marble slab is wonderful so that's my recommendation
1: Nice. Very, very good. I like that. I like that. I'm going to recommend something apparel. You know, this is one of the few times I've ever bought anything based on a LinkedIn ad, which I blame on the pandemic. But anyway, <laughs> I actually saw this through a LinkedIn ad and was like, those look pretty cool. And so I ordered a pair. They've been great. Anyway, so it's uh, called Legends Brand. So the Legendsbrand.com. And they make workout apparel, so they've got shorts and shirts and like joggers, sweatshirts, socks, things like that, right? And so I've got I think three pairs of their shorts. Yeah, you know, they have liners. You could actually use them as a bathing suit if you wanted to. And they're just they're great. They hold up really well, and it's just make great great apparel. So uh, the Legends brand, if you want something a little bit different than all your friends, awesome. all right well that brings us to the end of episode two zero two of touchpoint again tp20 awards is the is the bit.ly link Uh, again we'll send it out we'd love to have your feedback and uh, have you be a part of our award show at the end of the year touchpoint.health is the website rate review subscribe wherever you happen to listen or stream And uh, we'd love to hear from you online. So for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn
2: more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.